0: And we are live. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Sea Reality Podcast. And we're here today with the great Joel Myers. Joel, how are you doing?
1: Good. How are you guys doing?
0: Doing good. Over there, good. we did the thing. <laughs> There's Dave. <laughs> the, the, the mirroring on the thing really works out great. So to just, I guess we begin at the beginning, where we, we always start asking everybody the same question. How did you get into this wonderful world that is m- magic? Oh, so we're starting from the beginning. Um, Back to the beginning.
1: I, I always like to take uh, Michael Ammar's thing, because I saw his lecture when I was like nine years old, and he said I, he always said, I, people would say, how would you get into it? He's like, I was tricked into it. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, whenever I was, uh, I was really little. I don't remember when I started, so I was five years old when I started doing magic, and I was always a performer, my parents say, and so I, we, we traveled. My dad was a traveling salesman, and I would perform wherever we were, and we'd go to very touristy areas because he would sell door-to-door, and I would perform uh, magic for everybody everywhere we went. And uh, and I thought that the only way to get people to watch you would be wherever it looked like there was a stage, you just stand up and start performing. So ever since I I don't even remember when I started, but there's a lot of pictures and videos of me just standing on street corners and <laughs> doing magic for people. And so like and now it's funny because like now my family, I moved my kids and my wife here to Florida. And. I'm taking them to some of these spots that my dad used to take me to. And I was like, I would perform on that street corner. I would perform right there here in Key West or, you know, these different places. Uh, And in Times Square, my dad would leave me on the street. I I swear back this was, you know, 20 years ago, my dad would leave me on the street in Times Square. And I would, that's where I met a lot of celebrities when I was a kid. I would stand in front of MTV studios and do magic. And I met Carson Daly that way. Remember the VJ uh, yeah. and, uh, and I would just perform everywhere. And so that's kind of how I got started and it's just all I've ever done. So like, I never really felt like
0: I had a choice if that makes sense, which is weird, but that, if that makes yeah. sense. It, it is the sort of thing that it, once it gets you, that it doesn't really let go that it's like a compulsion that you have to just do it no matter what the situation is. And it, it's interesting that you weren't the like typical shy kids who were sitting at home practicing and then struggled to go out and perform that you were comfortable at an early age just performing for strangers. Was, were you always like very outgoing
1: growing up? Yeah. My my I was homeschooled, which sounds like, you know, most homeschool kids you think are just, you know, really introverted, but I was always very extroverted. I think because my dad always socialized us so much. My dad really got me into a lot of uh, you know, he got me started with magic when I was a kid. He, you know, Uh, Took me I didn't get to go into the Magic Castle when I was little because he didn't know anybody who could get us in but when I was you know six seven years old he would drive me past the Magic Castle because we traveled like all the time uh, which made it to where now myself and my kids my kids are like used to traveling with me and coming up on stage and and you know and that kind of thing and I'll throw them in a TV clip of when I'm shooting Masters of Illusion or something you know um and and that's just from me having the same habits when i was a kid but yeah i mean i was always just comfortable you know in front of people i don't know why i don't know why that was i think it's yeah. everybody's different it's like a taste you know for whatever reason you know but uh but yeah i mean i was always just really comfortable in front of uh in front of strangers
2: joe can you remember like the first trick you did that really fooled people and you were like okay this is this is definitely something i can i can do oh
1: god I I don't think I was very good. I think I was a charismatic kid who was really outgoing and who people really thought was like cute and would, you know, cause I was really confident. So I, I, the, the first time I remember really fooling somebody was I took a sponge like a, that you would wash dishes with and cut it up to, from Mark Wilson's course of magic. I learned the, uh, Cups and balls, and I would do, and I master. I didn't master, but I mean, I tried to do really well with the cups and balls, with three kitchen cups, like coffee cups, and then three pieces of sponge, four pieces of sponge. Right, and when but I finally did you know, yeah, right, <laughs> uh, and then uh, and then I would you know I, I would do that trick, and that that when I started really fooling family and friends and performing to people's birthday parties and stuff with that, that was probably the first time that in the hot rod my dad gave me that when sure. I was like really little. So, uh,
0: yeah. so yeah, that's when I first like remembered it. So yeah. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. Those ones that you do so young, like the hot rod and stuff hey, being able to transition that into just smaller items growing up and things, those oh. basic techniques, like the cups and balls, you, right. once you have that, you can use it forever. Once you have the basics, uh, I, I, I think everybody needs to learn those things.
1: Yeah, I talked to, uh, you know, a couple of my my best buddies in the business that we talk, you know, uh, 10 times a day, really like Spidey, like he and I talk about how some of the things we learned when we were little, you know, Spidey's more of a mentalist, but he and I talk about how ever since we were kids, we still use some of those same principles for stuff now, even in on on television shows and things like, you know, he was learning like liquid metal, you know, he did that on the Apollo Showtime at the Apollo with Steve Harvey and you know, uh, um, there were a little little like a little card force or whatever that like, you know, I used on like, uh, 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 you know, uh, Penn and Teller or not pen and Teller Fool Us on. Uh, uh, I don't I, I don't know. I used it on one of the TV shows. Uh, oh, America's Got Talent. And like uh, just this one little force that you learn when you're just a kid. And uh, mm-hmm. it is funny, even like those things like the crisscross force and stuff. You can get away with yeah. some of that. You know what I mean? Like that you I mean, learn yeah. when you're a kid. And then now it's just second nature. Dave is, criss- right Dave is obsessed with the Chris Cross Force.
0: obsessed with the Chris Cross Yeah, Dave looks like a Chris Cross yeah. Force guy. <laughs> it's just, I love how bold it is to just be like, "Yeah, yeah, cut the cards, There we go. Da-da-da-da-da. Now look at the carriage you cut to, and just yeah, it's, it's so hands off that it's it's almost looked down upon because you learn it so young by people, and it's so easy that people think, "Oh, that won't work," but it does. I've never had anybody even question the crisscross course, but people think it's too simple to do it, but it, just, it needs to be done more. I do this thing. We,
1: I perform at uh, NACA, the National Association for Campus Activities, um, and myself and uh, a lot of the big uh, touring performers who tour a lot of the college market and stuff. We'll, we, you know, Matt Franco was there for the longest time before he won AGT, and that's, uh, that's how a lot of us met. Um, and we would do this, those kinds of jokes whenever we would be performing demos for people around our booth, and our agent mm-hmm. is standing there. And then if one of the other magicians would walk by, like maybe I Matt would walk by and stand behind and just watch for a second, and we would just say what we're doing while we're doing it, like <laughs> say the moves. And people have no idea what the hell we're talking about. But we're kind of in between our our normal, like, you know, patter, whatever you want to call it, we we're kind of just saying the moves just to mess with the person, you know, the magician watching.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we do have like a secret language that we think everybody speaks. Even I find when I say misdirection. Just talking about general things in life, people are like, "What is yeah. that?" And like, "Oh yeah, yeah. that's a, a magic term, not just a life term." To use. Is there a misdirection? <laughs> <laughs> it should be.
1: Yeah, I like to t- explain to people how misdirection—it can be psychological misdirection a lot of times. Like, just yeah. uh, you know, uh, manipulating the way people think um, is such a huge part of misdirection. People don't know that. People literally just think misdirection if they know if they've ever heard of it. They just think misdirection is like I'm doing something here, making you look over there. And they don't realize that a lot of misdirection is psychological. It's the way that you're making somebody think, which I think is the coolest thing, the coolest type of misdirection. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Yeah.
0: It comes back to the crisscross for us with like just time delay misdirection. That wasting wasting time is great misdirection as well. But you were talking about some of the TV shows you did. And we actually had someone, we asked the questions beforehand. We had one person ask, uh, what was your favorite TV show to appear on? So out of all the ones you've done, which one did you have the most fun, I guess, being on?
1: That's a, tough, that's a tough question I, I, because I, I, like, I, li- I liked all of, the, all of the TV shows I've been on so far. And, uh, you know, the reality type of TV shows, my favorites are anything that my friends are in with me. Uh, that's why a lot of the clips and stuff that you'll see and a lot of the TV shows that I've done, uh, I, I in some way I use, I, I'm with a friend. I, I don't know if you guys know Leon Etienne. He's a big illusionist in New York. Um, he just messaged me yesterday and was like, because Masters of Illusion sounds like might get picked up again. And we were like, we should do something together. Because there's something about when you're doing this stuff full time and you're touring all the time when there's not a pandemic. But even now, I'm touring right. in the virtual shows. And then sometimes I'll do the live shows, broadcasting it, you know, to the rest of the campus or for a company or whatever. And we'll do it for 20 people and broadcast it. There's something about because you're always by yourself, whether it's you're on a cruise ship for months or whatever, that whenever you have the opportunities to perform with other people, those are the, the things that are like my favorite. So my favorite TV shows that I've done are any of the ones where my friends are doing it with me. So like right. there was this TV show called Fake Off on True TV, and that was huge at the time. That was like five years ago now. Um, it was like uh, uh, it, that was probably the most fun because it was very competitive and it was a big show. It was on this channel in the states called True TV. Um, that it's just a big uh, a big channel here with this TV show called Impractical Jokers that was on before mm-hmm. and after this show we were on, and we almost won that show. It was me, Spidey, and Joseph Rayom. And uh, you know the, it, it, we had the best time. It was they would all, both of those guys would agree that that was probably their favorite TV show too. Because we all do a, a, a fair amount of television, and yeah. we all we're on a group chat that we talk almost every day on this group chat, and we all talk about all the time how that was our favorite show. So I think Fake Off was was definitely our favorite. Wizard Wars was probably one of the harder shows. Uh, I'd ever done because sometimes people ask me which which one a lot of magicians ask me what's like the hardest TV show to do out of all of these and Wizard Wars was insanely it was not easy that was that show was what you think it is it was like uh, you know literally you get these random props and then you're in front of Penn and Teller and this was before Fool Us so nobody's performing in front of Penn and Teller at at this point nobody had really I mean except for I think Fool Us was in England one season
0: by that point Mm -hmm. uh, I think because Wizard Wars was wild. What's that? I think they came out around the same time. There was a bit of crossover when they were. I think so. But really, it was
1: like John Archer, you know, Daniel Madison, like a handful of guys had performed for Penn and Teller. But other than that, you know, nobody had really done anything for uh, Penn and Teller. And so that was rattling, like, you know, going on stage in front of your You know, these guys who you grow up watching and idolizing. And I've performed in front of Penn & Teller a bunch of times now. Well, not a bunch, but uh, I did Fool Us. I did Wizard Wars. And on Wizard Wars, you perform in front of them for rehearsals. You perform in front of them for the actual act several times because you do two acts. Because I think I didn't win it, but I went through both rounds and was against like Greg Wilson and Shimshi. And so, yeah, but that was that was wicked hard. Um, But, yeah, Yeah. I mean, it was a long
0: answer to the question. Sorry. I I've, I've done okay. interviews before, I swear to god. I a thing to talk about. You have mentioned Paulie a few times and you did the show with him on Foolus. he decided to do that together. Was was that always your plan to like do it as a double act rather than try and do Phulos on your own? No, um
1: I, like I said, you know, the, the biggest thing that made any of any of us who are like uh performing together. Spidey and I got along very well from the beginning. We met at a conference, at a performers conference. Um and we had this we had the same agents for maybe the last 10 years or so. Uh and then his manager became the Surrealist manager. The Surrealist was our group that was on that TV show and stuff. Um so Spidey and I just really gravitated to each other and had like really similar ways of viewing magic. And we just really got along like um, I've worked with a lot of people and performed with a lot of different magicians um, and Spidey and I just always really clicked. So our plan was not necessarily to do, uh, you know, some of these TV shows together, like fool us. Our our plan was to do it solo. And then we were filming fake off when fool us approached us kind of each, some of these TV shows, each one kind of uh, dominoed to the next one. So like wizard wars, a producer on that show said, Hey, you know, could you put together a magic group for this TV show that we're part of called Fake Off? And then I put together the group for that. And then from Fake Off, that got, that got us Fool Us. And then from Fool Us, that got us America's Got Talent. And you know what I mean? Like each thing kind of would domino into the next one. It just made things easier as, you know, we were doing each show. So Spidey and I, our plan wasn't necessarily to always work together. But like I said, we both are solo touring artists and we tour all, all the, I mean, it is 1 million percent our full-time job to, to where if it wasn't, right now with the pandemic, Spidey was saying he's, he was slammed in September, so was I, like um, doing virtual shows and then a few live shows. But really, you know, if it wasn't for the pandemic, this year would have been huge uh, live touring. And because we're always by ourselves, that was kind of our thing was like, let's do more stuff together, you know, when we can. And it's just so much fun going to Vegas with one of your best friends and doing all of this stuff and being creative together with your best friends. And so that's kind of why we've done more together. We were talking to Fool Us about doing this season that's on right now. I think it's like airing tonight or I don't remember. Uh, A few of my friends are on it, so I should know this. Um, (laughs) Guys, if you're watching this, I promise I'm going to watch you. Um, (laughs) But uh, some of my good friends are on it. but, yeah, we were we were going to be on it uh, for this season. And then they, they we were talking to him And the bit we wanted to do was a little bit scarier for this season because I think uh, they wanted to do it for this other season that had more, like, edgy stuff or something. Mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly. But I think we're going to do it the next season. So.
2: Sure. And myself, and, myself and Dave do a lot of shows. And early on in our careers, like, I'd be doing a tour. But Dave would be a support kind of an act. And that's the way – or he'd be doing a tour and I'd be doing a, a support act for him. So it was an oh, excuse cool. to – on the same stage at the same time. That's that's the
1: biggest, that, that's the reason for, for us. We do this stuff together because of that. Because literally we're touring all the time by ourselves. We're constantly, it's us it's a, a solo. Uh, and that got into where we could tour. We did some touring together because of, you know, Fool Us. Fool Us alone got Spidey and I a lot of corporate stuff. We did a couple of shows at a couple of colleges. University of South Carolina, there's clips of it on YouTube. We performed in a 10,000 seat arena. It was packed because of Fool Us, um, you know, so, so you know, it, we did end up doing a lot of live touring and stuff because of some of those shows. And then Spidey and I even ended up, we ended up emceeing about a year and a half ago, we emceed this big event in Los Angeles for the Writers of the Future Awards in downtown LA. And uh, it aired on like Spike TV and like, you know, a bunch of celebrities were, were there. The clip is on YouTube. It's uh, called the Writers of the Future. And Spidey and I do this prediction bit with the girl who talks the voice of Bart Simpson. Uh, her name's Nancy Cartwright. We bring her up on stage. And yeah, after the clip, yeah. we have her, like, talk about us in Bart Simpson's voice. It was really funny. <laughs> it was pretty dope. <laughs> we were pretty excited That's about nice. that. That's all you want on your website. Is yeah, just man, we don't need anything else. Just Bart yeah. Simpson likes us.
2: <laughs> I, I would just have her do my voicemail. I'd be like, you have to do my voicemail. You're going nowhere to do my voicemail.
1: That would have been a really smart. You would have thought that we would have thought about that. It was a big red carpeted event with like paparazzi shooting and all of this. And we walked the red carpet and all this. So we really didn't think about that kind of stuff afterwards until like it was too late. And we we're like, oh, that would have been so perfect because we were just I mean, we're all just hanging out. And there's after parties with a lot of these things like on fake off. Jennifer Lopez was there because her boyfriend, Bocast, were smart at the time was her boyfriend. Uh, he was her backup dancer and he was one of the judges on the show. And some of these clips are on my YouTube channel. Um Surprisingly, a lot of the the network allowed me to put a lot of the clips on my YouTube channel and on Spidey's YouTube channel um, where the networks allowed us to use some of these TV clips, which was really nice because YouTube will flag it. And then you have to negate it and prove that the network said you could use it. And so that's what we did. And so now a lot of the clips are actually on my YouTube channel. And uh, you'll see Bo for Smart is Jennifer Lopez's boyfriend. And she was at the after party. Uh, and just hanging out with us. And we were filming that show in Atlanta. So, like, it was, we were in the middle of nowhere in this warehouse where they film, like, The Walking Dead in Marietta, Georgia. And Jennifer Lopez just hanging out there. And we're all like, we have no place else to go. You know, there's no, like, downtown yeah. near us. It's, like, in the middle of nowhere where we film these TV shows in Atlanta. So, but that was cool. That's where we met, like, JLo and stuff. And she liked us,
0: which was nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Definitely when you'd like performing on stage, did you find challenges when going from a solo performer to having somebody else who's on stage with you to try and choreograph that to make it work from an effect point of view what sort of challenges did you find with that uh,
1: i did have challenges with that with certain performers which i won't name drop because a lot of them are still my bffs but um I, like i said i performed with a lot of perform a lot of magicians um yeah. sometimes we've done live shows together sometimes it might be like a little you know tv deal or something uh but the people that I had no qualms with that we just kind of flowed perfectly are the people that you see me consistently perform with. Um, yeah. So there are challenges. It, it, You have to put your ego aside. Um, first and foremost, a lot of magicians, because we're solo performers, we want to be the center of attention. And then whenever we do a, a dual show, you think, oh, I'm still going to be the center of attention. And you are in a way, but you have to share the spotlight with this person. Um, and so you have to want them to look as good as you want yourself to look. And that'll make you both look good. Um, and so I would say, uh, you know, the biggest challenges, uh, or that kind of thing. It just, you know, allowing yourself to be willing to share the spotlight with the person that you're performing with. Uh, you have to trust 100% the person that you're sharing with the stage with. I'm sure you guys know this since you guys do a lot of shows together that you have to trust your partner to make you look as good as you want to make them look. Uh, and if you don't trust that, there's going to be major conflict. The The performances I've done with other performers that we didn't trust each other. Uh, you can tell, I feel like. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, trusting each other and then really just, you know, being able to bounce off one another and let that flow. And Spidey and I were always good at that to where even whenever we'd throw in something that was like not planned. I um, When we did Fool Us, when uh, Jonathan Ross was the host, we did a lot of unplanned oh. stuff. And Jonathan Ross was hilarious. So we would bounce off of him. They're, they un-air, They didn't air this one part where we were like pretending to be like we were uh you know like john ross was like touching our asses and stuff and like you know like it was a lot of it was unplanned but just that flow and really it just it goes with how much you trust your partner in it so yeah that's a
0: good question yeah Yeah, it, it is it is something i think trust is big because from just a performance point of view that the person isn't going to do something that will make you both look bad but especially when it comes to magic if from a method point of view the message can be split among two people and you need to make sure that they know what they're doing and will actually get a peek or get whatever they need to do for you to be able to do the finale or whatever. That can be a bit of a a concern as well, just to be like, Oh, please, please work.
1: I'll tell you something, a funny secret. I think I might've said this on an interview at some point. I don't remember, but I, I, uh, I, I know on fool us, we were also filming the TV show fake off at the same time. And then we were talking about another TV show that was like, uh, uh, today's show or something like that so we had a lot going on so i didn't know spidey's methods for the routine we did on that show spidey knew his methods i didn't know them uh so when pen is is asking us pen didn't know how we did our stuff because pen at that point we had hung out with them on wizard wars so pen already knew us so he was being kind of rough with the method so afterwards he talked to us he wrote to us on facebook and was like you know and said you know he felt like uh he was like do you guys feel like i gave too much meat on the method and all this you can see it in the clip of the actual performance. Whenever Penn is asking about how the trick is done, I'm looking at Spidey like, "Is he right?" Because like I didn't know the party was talking about. I didn't know how it was done exactly because I didn't need to. Like it was yeah. this one little gimmicky thing, and afterwards I was like. I really should have known that, (laughs) it it sounds really stupid. But like, I just didn't have to know that part. And we had so much going on, which sounds crazy, but we did have a lot going on during that filming. We were filming multiple things at the same time. We still had the reality TV show crew filming us uh, while we were in Vegas filming Fool Us uh, for the fake off Uh, TV show. So we had a lot going on. So I just wasn't, (laughs) that's trust
0: (laughs) your partner. He fooled you, but didn't tell her.
2: Right. <laughs> you can I, tell. I, the clip. Dave, I look
1: at him, I go like this. <laughs> I was
2: like, he... Yeah, I, I, think, I think Dave's been like that a few times as well. We, we've done different stuff and Dave definitely has more trust. I'm more, Dave has more trust in me I think that I have in him because uh, Dave was once a parking cone uh, in a blindfold drive for me. So I was doing a blindfold drive and he stood in place of where there was a parking cone at the end. That's a lot of trust. I wouldn't have that kind of yeah. trust in Dave. He did wow. it was- That's hey, we're
1: we're we're revealing, we're unwrapping realities of your relationship right now. This is healthy, guys. This is healthy.
0: We got got the spectator to take the random cone and I went in place of it. And in rehearsals, Steve went within about three or four feet of me. And then in front of the live audience, he drove straight at me and hit the brakes. Right, like it missed me by that much. Wow, <laughs> just that's crazy. I trust the I trust well, the I think good. I trust the brakes. So, <laughs> so
1: that's good. I'll I'll have to I'll I'll, I'll tell you guys a story in a little bit about this one thing with trust with with th- that's the other thing too. If you're trusting a partner, you know I'm in this group with. There's three of us. There's Joseph, Graham, Spidey, and myself. And the surrealist thing, you know, tr- tr- you're, I'm trusting two guys, and they're trusting each one of them is trusting two guys. That's even harder to do. Um, You know, we're friends with a lot of the guys who are in, like, the Illusionists and stuff. And, you know, like, Shin Lim is really good good friends with Spidey. And, uh, you know, um, they've all done, you know, the Illusionist stuff and all that uh, with the touring show with the uh, Illusionist Live and all of that. We, uh, you know, we like the idea. We like the idea of, like, the Illusionist type of format. But we like it to where we're more like a boy band where we're all tight and we all know each other's personalities. And we all perform together the whole time. So it's not like we each perform our own act. We all perform you know, uh, together. So when we do like, you know, the pain game with the spike in the bags, you know, uh, all three of us are doing it and each one of us are hitting a bag and saying parts of our script and that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, I always loved that kind of Ooh. thing. Cause that's, it's really hard to do two people. It's insanely hard to do three.
0: So, yeah, I mean, even when you can kind of play off each other as well, like even in a smash and stab or pain game routine, me and Steve have talked about doing things where, we like flip a coin as to who's gonna slam their hand down on the on the bag that they think things like that just to like play up the interaction between you to get the audience going. And especially when if you're not sure of the method and you're going, but well, this one's safe. Yeah, okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just do that. It's a, that's good. Yeah, that's really good. It's it's uh you
1: know, it's it's really fun, man. There's something so much fun about doing, you know. I, I've always looked at it too with my agents, my manager and everybody who I work with. I wouldn't be able to tour to the level that I've toured. I won magician of the year this year in the college market. Um, and I wouldn't have won that, you know, the guys who've won that award are like, you know, all the guys who were like, I grew up not grew, I mean, they're not that much older than me, but they're guys that I always idolize. Like, you know, Justin Willman and Wayne Hoffman and Mike super. And these guys who, you know, when I was getting into the college market, I was like, I thought these were the coolest dudes. and I wanted to be like them. And, you know, I'm maybe five, six years younger than most of these guys. So I wasn't that far behind. But, um, you know, I wouldn't have been able to do that uh, or, or, you know, make the living that I've made and do the kind of touring that I've done and be in so many different markets if it wasn't for the people that I work with. So overall, no matter what, even even whenever I'm not performing in a group or in a duo, when I'm just by myself, I still have five people behind me that help me with everything. Mm. Um, and it's, it's, really, it's, it's really a relationship, man, because, like, my agent and I butt heads and we've been agents for, he's been my agent for 15 years. He was Justin Wilman's agent for uh, the, Justin Wilman's whole beginning of his career um, to the point where when I started in the college market, everybody was calling me like, oh, you're the new Justin because Justin started doing more television. And I was just this kid who came along and was doing the, you know, and I was just with this agency that everybody knew Justin was with. And so I was like, no, they're, you know, I'm not like Justin, you know, um, who yeah. Justin's awesome. But I mean, I was just saying I was my own person. Um, But I mean, yeah, it's like it's so uh, uh, that relationship is so important with, uh, you know, to have a team behind you and so many magicians, it looks like it's just you. Um, But I mean, you know, you name any of these top guys in the industry and they all have a team of people behind them. And you have to have that. You really do have to have that. It can look like it's just you like uh, Drummond Money Coots on his, you know, Netflix special. It looks like it's just him. We've got – all of us have these huge teams of consultants and stuff. On the TV show Fake Off, when we did that, we had Ryan Edwards. He does RE handcrafted. He makes, like, the amazing, like, close-up cases and these, these uh, card clips, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and uh, you know, he's, he makes them for Copperfield and all those guys. And he was our consultant behind the scenes. I mean, he was the fourth team member – you know, he built everything like that
0: kind of stuff is just so wicked important. So I think it's cool in like David Blaine's recent specials that he's showing Daniel Garcia and as Wind and some of the other consultants that he has behind the scenes, which kind of like gives people a bit of an idea of what's yeah. going on in to actually put a magic show together. And it actually it can also help so that people realize it's not just David on his own. He does have a team of. Magicians and people working yep. with them. very, it's it, that was really yeah. good to promote that. That's the thing
1: I always liked whenever Chris Angel, you know, started doing his stuff. Um, you know, a lot of those guys are, are my friends now, like Banachek and uh Brian mm. Poindexter, and some of these guys who were his consultants. And you know, they would do the cutaway shots where they're interviewing into the camera. Mm. And you know, it really is true, you got to surround yourself by a, a great team, and no matter what it is, whether if it is just a reality show where you're just part of the reality show, you're not necessarily the star, or if it is an actual TV show, like, you know, um, I don't know if Chris Ramsey and those guys have announced the their, uh So I don't want to say it live if they haven't announced it yet. I'm so bad at just talking and saying things. And then I'm like, and there's been times where like, I've got like a gag order. I'm not supposed to be talking about it. And I've said it live or like, <laughs> so I don't want to say it about my friends stuff. If I'm like, I don't know if they're allowed to like, if I'm, uh, but yeah, I mean, no matter what, you just—it's really important to have a really great team yeah. and and great people behind you, and uh, and and really always be positive with the people around you, and uh, you know, uh, don't burn any bridges. You know, have a great network of people around you. So,
0: any advice for someone who wants to like get into that college market, or who doesn't have a team but will be behind them? Yes, someone who's starting off, who wants to actually get into it, the, the college market. I guess in America is quite a big market. This advice, yeah. It is. And you can make, you know, I made,
1: I'd say in the last four years or so, 90% of my income was the college market and you can do incredibly well with it. Um, And, you know, winning magician of the year this year in that market made it to where 2020 was going to be the biggest year ever, where I could project, you know, what each month, how much I was going to make in when I looked at when I was in December of 2019, I looked all the way to January of 2021 and said, I'm set every single month. And that's a rare thing. Even yeah. for big performers, it's a rare thing to have your entire year laid out that perfectly. Um, between the colleges in, in throughout the rest of the year and then the cruise market in the summer that I was on, because I do a residency in Hawaii on the Pride of America cruise ship in the summertime a lot of times, uh, You know, I was set. And really, the way that you get going in a market like the college market is to just jump into it. And whenever you jump into it, you can't lowball your prices, so you don't want to undercut the people that are around you, we've kind of unionized in the college market. A lot of us performers back when Matt Franco was in the market and didn't have his own show in Vegas and all that, you know, we all kind of got together and 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 decided this is where the price points need to be. So we're not undercutting anybody, you know, uh, this is the kind of quality people are expecting. You know, we all kind of, it, yeah. we had to kind of unionize a little bit, I guess you could say. Um, and, and, and so, yeah, getting into the college market, it's really, uh, you've got to have the financial backing to some point because it costs a lot of money. You have to go to these conferences that are college conferences and they're regional. So they're like NACA West or APCA in uh, you know Pennsylvania. And you got to go all around the the states and, and go to these conferences and you have to be seen by these colleges that come there to book you. Um, a lot of those conferences this year are going virtual. So I'm like doing virtual showcases. Um, but like, uh, you know, it, going to those conferences is really expensive. You have to have you know big banners of yourself uh it's really good i recommend having an agent uh, in the college market because i do know friends of mine who do represent themselves and who have represented themselves um and the amount of work that that takes and the network that you have to build is something that takes years so like somebody like wayne hoffman <clears throat> who's one of my favorite mentalists in the world and he's one of my close friends uh he's somebody who i always really admired because he figured out how to represent himself but it took him years to do that and so now he has his own agency uh, in, in, in in you know in the college market and he represents other artists, um, so yeah I mean just having the tenacity to be able to jump in and do it and you have to be good enough. There's a lot of performers who I've seen we, we'll you know we're not making fun of them, but the other college performers will look and be like you know that we want to see if that's a guy who was doing birthday parties and bar mitzvahs and then they're like now nah, I'm going to do the college market. You can't transition quite like that. You need to have more experience under your belt. Nothing wrong with doing birthday parties and bar mitzvahs, obviously. Yeah um i'm just saying you you have to go you know a lot of these colleges you're in a big theater you're with uh you know well-produced uh you're doing a well-produced show and you have to know how to do that and so i've seen a lot of performers go in and they they can't carry it they can't carry the show they can't do what this college is hoping that they're going to do and then they're undercutting the price they're undervaluing the whole market making the magicians in the college market look bad you, you know. T- so to really get started in it, <clears throat> you have to be good enough. You have to be good um, because you're competing with a lot of people. These colleges can book anybody, and they're looking at everybody. They're not just looking at me. They're looking at me, Wayne Hoffman, Mike Super, Spidey. They're looking at a list of guys, and they're saying, okay, we're going to book Joel. Why are they booking me instead of that guy, that guy, and that guy? Um, and why would they book you instead of that guy, that guy, and that guy? So a lot of those guys who are inexperienced, they say, I'll just get, make my price really low, and I'll get the bookings, Um and that really takes away from everybody. It's, it's, it's not smart, uh, you know, overall. But the college market, it's very lucrative if you do it right. Costs a lot to get into it. It takes a lot of time, a lot of headache because you're, you don't get the bookings right away. I recommend having an agent in it. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, it can be very, very lucrative if you know what you're doing. Now, I've been in it for 15 years in the college market. So, you know, I've gotten into a real rhythm with my college agents to
0: where it's really paid off, but it took a long time, so. Yeah, definitely, I think that's some good advice, and I definitely think the tenacity, and also the quality, I think magic's one of the only things in the world, I think we've all heard that person, go, oh, I don't like magic, because they've been a bad magician, and while if it's a singer, they never go, oh, I don't like singing, because of one bad singer, but a bad right. magician, people will just go, yeah, I don't like magic, it's just not for me, and it's yeah. like, I, I think that there's well, a lot of responsibility on performers.
1: I'll tell you the secret behind that, in my opinion. Um, and I know a lot of performers who would tell you this. And a lot of guys who I know you guys know of who are really big in the game. Uh, the biggest secret to that, at least in the college market. And I can say in the college market, the cruise ship market, um, you know, even the theater market, definitely in the college market. The biggest secret to that is your, the magic isn't what they care about. They care about you. So yeah. if your personality isn't really big and you're not really, Uh, shining through uh, and because at the end of the day when I started doing really well in the college market I realized they're not booking Joel the magician they're booking Joel Meyer they're booking me you can price a magician you can't price me you can't you can't find another one of me and as soon as that clicked in my head that's when everything started going really well because once I realized there's only one of me and that's who they're looking at and and Justin Willman figured that out in the college market uh, magicians were getting mad at him because he would book tons of shows with sponge bunnies. They'd be busting their butt doing diagonal palm shifts and all these crazy ass moves. And Willman's sitting there with sponge bunnies. Uh, just, that's it. He had sponge bunnies and would dominate a one week conference. He'd be there for a week with nothing but sponge bunnies and everybody loved him and he was shredding it. And he was winning entertainer of the year and, and magician of the year and these awards. And, and it's because He knew it was about him. It wasn't about what he was doing. And that's the biggest secret, especially in the college market, that magicians go, oh, you know, I'm going to try really hard to do this trick and that trick. And I'm going to, you know, and really it's it's they're booking you as a personality. And as soon as I realized that, man, I would walk away without showcasing because at these conferences you showcase in front of the whole, uh, you know, all the colleges. And I would go and not showcase. And it was really just me and Matt Franco were the ones that dominated this. We figured out that we could just be big personalities in our booth with our agents and we'd walk away with as many forms and as many shows or more than the people showcasing. And uh, that's whenever it clicked, you know, in our heads. And that's a big secret because people go into the market not knowing that's what it is, man.
0: Definitely. I think that's a really good advice because it is the whole thing. Magicians care so much about the tricks remember- while everybody else doesn't.
2: I remember a magician once, I, I won't mention his name, but he-, he mentioned that, like, good magicians don't do sponge balls. And, uh, and I, I just read, at the time, David Blaine's book. And I was like, there's a picture of David Blaine doing sponge balls for uh, Bill and Hillary Clinton and Jack Nicholson. So I yeah. was like, sponge balls are fine. Do sponge balls. Yeah.
1: Dude, people, people, magicians, will, magicians are so like uh, secret. They're so into secrets and so into, you know, it's a, I'm going to tell you another secret. Um, a lot of big. Performer a big magicians out there who everybody stares looks at and just thinks are the coolest in the world or whatever and they do really well with what they do They'll tell you that uh, You know, that's what drives them nuts about other magicians is that mentality that it's like you have to look at the technical side M- Laymen don't give a crap. They really don't right. they just don't care. They care. They care about You know being shocked seeing something they've never seen before and then there's something about you as a personality and about who you are and how you're presenting it. Um, and, you know, uh, my friends who have figured that out are the guys who, you know, are some of the biggest in the industry because of that, because they figured out, uh, you know, how to transcend the trick. Uh, and that's where a lot of magicians get stuck. And that goes back to what you were saying, David, about, um, how you were saying, um, that, you know, Oh God, what was I saying? What were you saying? Uh, it goes back to what you were saying about, um, Oh dude, I just totally went blank and I had a really good point. Oh,
0: I hate that. I um, said something incredibly smashed. yeah. What? I said something incredibly smashed. It
1: was. It was right in the beginning. Um oh my god, how did I just go blank? I hate when that it? happens. Ah, oh, I hate that. Um you yeah, uh we were saying uh magicians transcending beyond the beyond yeah, the beyond trip. the yeah, beyond the trick, it's 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 it's, it's yeah. making it bigger than it's it's being bigger than the trick itself, and that you know that's yeah. why in the in the cruise ship market on Norwegian cruise lines, I I, I the first year I was on Norwegian cruise lines, I got rated the top performer on that cruise line uh, because it wasn't because of what I was doing the tricks. A lot of the tricks I was doing, you know, I was doing a straight jacket escape and pain game with the spikes and you know some pretty basic stuff, but it was how I was doing it. And they didn't walk away. The audience didn't walk away, you know, flipping out about. I mean, they did. They loved the magic part, but they walk away talking about me, and that's, that's, that's the thing. That's, that's the thing. That uh, you know, magician. If more magicians. Oh, that's what I was saying. That's what you said earlier. You said um, that m- magicians. Uh, oh my god i keep freaking blanking <laughs> on this and it's such a good point um <laughs> oh my god i hate that i'm sorry i never it, blank, it and i'm like blanking on this and it's such yeah, a good
0: point. A crisscross force a bit that like with the crisscross force yeah, yeah there nobody cares except for the magicians going oh my god i can't believe you do a crisscross force but to the audience you read their mind or predicted them Whatever.
1: Exactly. It's, 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 it's transcending beyond that. It's making it to where you're, you're, you know, it's about you. It's not about the trick itself. And, and too many magicians look at it. Like, you know, it's all about the trick. It's all about the technical aspects. And that's, that's what we like. I mean, I do too. We all like all that. We all like looking at all that, you know, we're, we're magic nerds essentially. Yeah. And even the coolest magicians in the game are complete dorks. We all love going to Disney world and, you know, and we love Harry Potter and we're all the same. We all like that stuff um but ultimately you know to transcend the the trick it's got to be about you and not about you know the trick itself um so yeah and I I think about that point too I was trying to make it's good it was a good one
0: I do think that it's it's, uh, something you notice sometimes if for example if I I was doing a gig in a hotel and I was staying at the hotel and I might meet some people in the bar later on and when people are asking me about myself rather than the tricks I did earlier on that day I always go ah yes I I hit good, it. Yeah. If they're only asking me about the tricks, I'm like, I wasn't at it today. I need to like, I didn't get my personality across enough. If that's right. what they're talking about. Yep, exactly. That's very true. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely uh, one of the things. Uh, well, speaking of other, other magicians. Uh, we had a question come in as well from Brian, who said, "Who is your favorite magician to watch?"
1: Um. You know my uh, my favorite magicians to watch aren't uh, there. Honestly, I say this all the time. It's it's probably my my friends, the people who, I I always say surround yourself by people who inspire you because one of my big big fears is losing my passion. Uh,
2: yeah.
1: When when uh, uh, I think it was the Romans when they would pass away, people would say, uh, you know, uh, did that person have passion? Because passion is such an important thing. And as magicians, we're all passionate about magic. So I'm always scared to lose my passion. So what I do is surround myself by people who I'm really uh, passionate who helped my fuel my passion. So my favorite magicians to watch are my friends, people like, uh, you know, Spidey and, and, and Wayne Hoffman. And, and, you know, some of these guys who are Stephen Brundage is a good buddy. And I got to call him back. He just called me, um, but uh, <laughs> I'll call you back. Uh, but Stephen Brundage, you know, some of these guys who are, you know, they, they kill it and they constantly work it and there's, they have no other choice, but to be great at magic and to make a name for themselves in magic. Um, and, you know, even guys like and this is Jabrizi contra- is really controversial right now cuz mm. of the things that he says but Jabrizi's one of my friends and we message each other and 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 you know and talk and and uh, you know I I admire people who are passionate and who work hard and who only see you know where they're trying to go with what they're doing um everybody goes about it in a different way you know we might not agree with how they're going about it I might not agree with how certain people are going about it um, but I respect their passion and their drive. Rick Lax is a buddy of mine and he helped me on wizard wars and I'll always be grateful because he really helped me on wizard wars to look better than I think I would have looked. Um, and, and so Rick Lax is somebody, you know, who I tell him, I'll, I'll, I'll t- we don't talk all the time, but whenever we will text each other and stuff and all, uh, you know, I'll tell him how, you know, he does inspire me because of his work ethic, how hard he works. You know, a lot of magicians will look at some of these magicians and say, you know, they don't like certain people for whatever reasons. And I look at, the quality of their character, how hard they work, how driven they are. Um, And then probably like the sixth or seventh thing I look at is how good they are at the magic, (laughs) to be (laughs) honest, because let's face it, you name some of the best magicians and they were really hated for, you know, Chris Angel, everybody was like, he's horrible. You know, a lot of magicians didn't like these guys. And then once they got fame and notoriety and did really well, then we're like, Oh, they're amazing. You know? And it's like, you know, we were really looking at how, you know, how well they did. And then we're like, Then we like them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, So even Blaine, people talk Blaine down in the late 90s. They were like, oh, he's doing the bite out quarter and he's doing the cigarette through quarter and he's doing the, you know, uh, the the photography deck and these things. You know, people said that. I remember, man, when people were saying that. And then now it's like, you know, he's the shit, man. And he's, you know, and, and he's he's transcended what we're talking about. He's transcended the magic to this level to where it's more about him so much so that
0: magicians now get it. You know what I mean? I, I think that's something like even in Ireland when we, Keith Barry started appearing on TV over here and a lot of the other magicians were like, oh, but like I'm doing those tricks too or Dynamo in the UK when he, got, he started getting big on TV. Like there definitely is a bit of jealousy when somebody's getting successful at the beginning and then once after a while those people go, oh yeah, well, they are, they are pretty good to be fair. And people start seeing why they're the ones who are doing it. Because it is the work ethic. Nobody sees the overnight success before they were the overnight success. If you have the time to even
1: analyze somebody to that level, you're doing something wrong. I've gone through so much time. Spidey's messaging me asking if I watched his YouTube video he just posted. So everybody needs to go watch Spidey's YouTube video. He just posted a YouTube video. And I guess I'm in it. He just said, did you watch my YouTube video? You're in it. Um, i don't know what it is but he's we're gonna watch it um all of spidey's content is the bomb uh he's he, he's got hundreds of thousands of subscribers now he's gonna hit he'll end up hitting a million subscribers in the next couple yeah. of months he, he's killing it him and uh, uh you know and Ramsey's killing it they're, they're, those guys are all killing uh so yeah i mean um you know
0: it, it uh, uh what was it what was i just saying about uh successful magicians like Blaine and them when they're yeah, yeah. if, uh, if you have the time you know
1: those guys aren't looking at everybody else going well that guy stole my thing and that guy you know if you have the time yeah. to do that you're, you're, you're wasting your time you need to be working on your stuff man I don't have the time yeah. to look at everybody and go that guy and that guy and that guy you know what I mean I, uh, yeah. I, I just don't have the time to even do it and if you have the time to do that you need to rethink how you're doing things
2: it's, it's funny if, that you uh, mentioned that uh, passion and keeping your passion and not you know kind of being scared of losing your passion with COVID. That's one of the things myself and David was talking about before we started the podcast. And initially we were like, nobody's going to want to talk to us. No one's going to fucking have the time of day to be on the show or anything like that. And we just said we would just start. And now we're like 12 episodes in and we've had yourself and Michael Amar and Jonathan Goodwin and and both great names. And so it it was just something like that. It was just, we didn't want it to kind of fizzle out just because the year is kind of a, a lockdown year kind of a thing. We just kind of wanted to get something out of it. You need to have the tenacity. What you guys did
1: was the right thing to do because you just need to say, "Okay, this is what I'm gonna do," and then just start doing it. And uh, that you know, anybody who asks my advice about being on television, touring, you know, I've toured in front of the biggest crowds in stadiums. I've 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 done I far exceeded my wildest expectations with what I do, Um, but that's just because I was tenacious enough to do it. And in the movie The Founder, uh, he talks about that the uh, the the uh, the guy who founded McDonald's uh said that you know talent won't get you what you want there's tons of talented people um you know uh it's it's being tenacious it's 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 you know it's the drive to make sure you get it done and then being relentless about it and you keep pushing to do it and so just don't ever think that you you can't do it if you if you're good enough you need to actually have some kind of quality to bring and once you have that you can you can you can do any. You know, I I, I I was doing a show in Phoenix, Arizona, and I grew up watching Michael Finney and I was obsessed with Michael Finney and just thought he was the funniest, like the dopest magician ever. And he was in the audience. And afterwards, he's like, I only ever saw you on TV and it's so cool to see you live. And I was like dead stone face <laughs> because, you know, some of these guys that, you know, I grew up and now, you know, like David Williamson wrote on one of my Masters of Illusion clips because uh, it was his trick that he came up with. And he was saying how good I did with it. You know, and these are guys I grew up idolizing i mean yeah. watching on world's greatest magic bugging out about these guys or meeting them on the sets of masters of illusion when i film that show and you know i'll go to the set and, you know gay blackstone writes to me and 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 all the time because she's the ep on it and and you know meeting some of these guys like ed Alonzo and you know uh, joseph gabriel and just some of these guys who just are just the guys that we you know we grew up watching You know, to get to that level, to be able to do that, you have to be tenacious and you have to believe in yourself and you have to have the quality. Uh, The quality isn't this is sad to say, but the quality isn't as important as being tenacious and believing in yourself and knowing that you can do it Um, and really being yourself, too. Like I was I've been unapologetically myself uh, and that's really helped a lot because there's nobody else like you. Um, So, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, you when you mentioned Michael Finney there, just it reminded me one time uh, years ago he came to my hometown here in Limerick in, in Ireland and he was the the headline act and I remember him at his table and went over and I bought some DVDs and we were just chatting or whatever and I, he was talking about the watch deal and he was like oh it's in my show later on but I'll show you now and he like literally taught me how to do a watch deal from a leather band in the space of maybe like ten minutes at his table and he was like okay go go get me a watch and and that was That's it. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's all right. that's
1: what, but that's that's great whenever you meet whenever you, you know some of your idols end up I, I can say a lot of people have ended up being like that magician wise like they they end up you meeting you meet them and you end up being like that you know my michael finney was somebody i did grow up watching and, and and being obsessed with and david williamson and these guys and and they're very kind now and they really look at you know they really watch too they're just like us we all watch mm-hmm. each other um you know to an extent and uh and you know it's 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 a beautiful thing whenever. Uh, you work really hard and then you see these people that you grew up watching, watching you. Um, but I mean, you just have to be tenacious with it and keep, you know, uh, keep moving forward with it. And, uh, and then those, a lot of those people want to help you, you know, you remember Daryl, uh, you know, the magician's magician. And, you know, he taught me my Amherst's card and, you know, my mom had just died and I went to a lecture and he stayed in touch with me and he gave me the Rubik's cube back whenever, before the Rubik's cube was a big thing. And he gave me his Rubik's cube, self solving, you know, where you just, you know, you just mix it and throw it up. Um, you know, and he stayed in touch yeah. with me about it. You know, we weren't like super tight, like, he wasn't like my mentor, I would say, but he was yeah. somebody who stayed in touch with me, uh, you know, about it. And, uh, and, and you know, so some of these guys, they, they really are, we all share the same passion, which makes us all really connected. Um, and it, it really is a beautiful thing.
0: Definitely, it really is. It is that thing that, as you said, we're all just magic nerds at the end of the day. And, like, for us, people are like celebrities. I remember it was actually the, the when me and Steve met was at a David Stone workshop yeah. and I saw yeah, David Stone walk past me and I was after watching his DVDs and it was like to me it was Tom Cruise was walking through the place the celebrity but like to everybody else in the hotel they had no idea who he was <laughs> so it's like it's, it's a weird level for the people to be at. Just to them, yeah, when, I just- I've,
1: when I've been to uh, places with some of the top magicians like I remember before Chris Angel was really fit, super famous he had his Broadway show at the time but we were out and he kept ordering, ordering saltine crackers at, at dinner. And that was something that really stuck out in my head. He maybe he had a stomachache. I don't know, but like, uh, you know, uh, it, 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 it is funny. I have this tattoo that says almost famous here. I don't know if you can see that. Yeah. Um, and that tattoo, it's not just like that. I, it's not, it's not that I'm almost famous. It's the fact that any magician is almost famous. They're not, I, I, I think, you know, Copperfield Blaine, they can walk into a restaurant and most people aren't going to know who they are. Um, but they know the name. Um, but I mean, I have this theory that any magician is almost famous. And I make those jokes with every all all of us who anytime any of any of my friends start to get a little bit of a big head in any way, you know, in the industry, uh or in any industry, you know, I'm I'm friends with like these d list you know, I guess you'd say D-less-that's mean, but I mean like, (laughs) you know, like uh the guy who's the lead singer from the plain white tees, you know, like some of these people who like uh you know, and they, I, I, it's just funny because really at the end of the day and when any of us start to get like a big head like, oh, I'm on this show or that show or I did this thing or that thing. or I'm not with that celebrity. It's like we're, we'll are really only ever be almost famous. So, you know, put the things that are most important is to stay passionate about what you do, put your family first, you know what I mean? And work hard okay. at it. And, uh, you know, it'll pay off. So
0: I think it's good to have someone with you like a wife, who goes, Oh, it's, you had a good show. Yeah, yeah, great. Do the dishes or can right. you take every or just yeah. My my we, wife helps with that. My wife helps yeah. keep
1: me down to earth. She's very supportive, and I'm very blessed because she allows me. She doesn't. It's not that she allows me, but she has no problem with the fact that I have to tour all the time and that I have to work a lot with what I do. And you know, and as as magic as magic geeks, you know, we all, you know, are constantly obsessing about a trick or about an idea or whatever. And uh, you know, and she's been very supportive. It's important, and it's really a wonderful thing to have like that kind of support and stuff. Uh, too, because uh, it really is, it's not an easy thing to have a relationship with somebody who's in magic, because I think it encompasses every aspect of who you are. It's not, you know, yeah. nine to five, it's breakfast, lunch and dinner. And then sometimes in the middle of the night, you know, and yeah. then within, in the case of p- touring professionals like myself, we're constantly on the road. And, uh, you know, it's beyond just being an entrepreneur. It's like, you know, your whole life is almost dictated by this thing. Um, so
2: yeah, I, you, sure understanding, uh, understanding and, and kind of gets that the, it's not a normal, like you said, exactly nine to five. Like, actually I'm going to give a total shout out to Elaine because Elaine's my girlfriend and she, nice. she's pregnant where she's due in February. And I know your, your partners as well, but she, uh mm. she baked us cookies. Well, she baked me cookies, uh, just, just before. Uh, we well, this would be a good point so. for a
1: trick. I reach in that, and they. take one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> out, like yeah. Sure. There's, I, I figured out a trick like that in my virtual show where I have somebody think of a playing card. I'll tell the people to have a deck of cards uh, you know, beforehand. And I'll say, think of a playing card. And I say, hold up the playing card like right here in the middle of the frame and on the count of three, drop the card. And on three, they drop it. And then it looks like I catch it. And I say, what card are you thinking of? They say queen of hearts. Or whatever I turn around, it's the queen of hearts. Right. Um, so thinking outside of the box with these virtual shows has been really cool too, because that's the kind of thing, like with, with that kind of thing, it's, it's, uh, that's not an easy thing to figure out how to do it. But it's just thinking a little bit outside of the box um, because a lot of people tend to kind of go the same direction with these virtual shows. Anybody who's doing virtual shows, it's easy to go in like the same direction and do the same kind of tricks, the same kind of methods, the same kind of you know, thought process. Uh, because really, it, it, I don't think that you're limited with the virtual shows. I think anything can be unlimited if your imagination is unlimited. So when I first started doing the virtual shows, a lot of magicians were like shitting on it. They were like, this is so stupid, you know, how are you gonna do it without an audience member? Dude, I had really big magician friends of mine calling me going, How on earth are you having somebody pick a card? I'm like, it's not that, you know, I'm like, I'm like, say stop, bro. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it's not that hard. (laughs) Like, uh, name like, number. Uh, yeah, like, I mean, there's literally, there's a lot of ways to where you can do it. Just thinking outside of the box. And then if you, once you do, you know, I've done so many of these virtual shows, I think in March is whenever everything, the pandemic hit in America and, and in April, I had like 20 virtual shows because my agents, and I put our heads together and I was booked for all of these live shows. And then we just transitioned them and switched them to virtual and just discounted the price a little bit kind of thing. And so um, and then since then, I'm doing virtual shows every, you know, multiple times a week. And, and these virtual shows, it's just really just, uh, you know, how can you interact with people through a camera? And what I've found is that it ends up being really uh, interactive and really intimate. Uh, there's an intimacy about the virtual stuff that I found is really cool because generally, even when there's a big group, there's something about there's that, the layer that's normally between yourself and an audience. Uh, is kind of not there. It's like you're FaceTiming a bunch of friends. Um, and so there's a way to where you can make it all professional, still make it a show, as long as you can own the camera like you can own the stage. And lucky for me, I've done enough television and I've done enough stuff live on stage where I'm working with projector screens and a camera at me to where I'm performing at the camera uh, up on the screens. I've done that enough to where it was a really easy transition for me. Um, there are other friends of mine who just in the last month have started doing virtuals out of necessity. Um okay. Because I got buddies who were in L.A. or whatever who were, you know, tearing up their Hundy 500s to pay their bills. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, I'm, that's not a joke. I got a buddy who was legitimately like, I had to tear up my Hundy 500 gimmick to use. You know, like, it's like... Um, Extreme so,
0: burden has to get ripped off as well. Right.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it. it this was a, this has been, I, I think on the one hand, you could look at this pandemic as it has been a really sad thing for Magic and really unfortunate thing for Magic. But then on the other hand, I think Overall, it's been a very positive thing because we figured out a whole nother medium that I think will forever be used. Um, yeah. We figured out four or five different ways to broadcast, whether it's live for 10 people that are socially distanced uh, and then we broadcast it to the rest of the campus or for a company, whether it's a pre-recorded video for the company or, or the event or whatever it is that I'm talking about the company and putting their name or their product in, in the actual video and then we're using that. Uh, whether it's just virtual like this, um, you know, and you're interacting with the group through the camera, um, you know, there's many different ways to where I think this will always be a medium. This will always be a part of, uh, uh, you know, uh, of our repertoire and way to perform. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think to uh, the guys who have negate, who have gone against it and pushed against this new platform of virtual magic are the same guys who would push, who had pushed against, you know, any form of that. Those would have been the same guys that when Mark Wilson and those guys were coming out doing magic on television, they would have said, No, magic can't be on TV. This is a live performing art. You know what I mean? Yeah. Those are the same people. Um, so, magic, you always have to think outside of the box. And we all know that. And that doesn't just mean with the trick, it means in literally every way that we do it, uh, you have to think outside of the box. And so, um, so, yeah, I mean, I really admire the guys who are really pushing the art forward by figuring out how to, how to, keep it going and go to a whole nother level with it by doing it through this medium. You know,
0: I think it's be a lot of magicians who've never had like TV camera experience who when they get it now, after doing zoom shows will be more comfortable in front of cameras and actually maybe understand the technical side more. And hopefully going forward, people will have gotten better at video in general. So show reels and sizzle reels and things like that for a magician should the quality should go up come up a bit because everybody's suddenly become a streaming expert or a uh, any sort of online video expert a, a lot around the magic community yeah i
1: i remember what I, what I was trying to say earlier it was about how you were saying magicians um you know they they can't transcend they they uh you know they can't transcend that and and the fact is is Um, you know magic you're right what you said earlier about you know why is it in music uh, a bad musician you know Mm. it doesn't mean that music sucks or acting a bad actor doesn't mean acting sucks but with magic they see a bad magician that's what I was trying to say earlier about what you had touched on where you said when they see a bad magician they say well magic sucks Um, and I don't think that's at the fault of 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 the trick or anything like that at all I think it really is 100% um the performer and magicians have trivialized magic and that's a problem magicians have made it about the trick and they haven't you know uh they haven't transcended it beyond look what i can do and you can't or look what i can do and you can't figure it out and Penn and teller are very are some of the very few big names who have transcended that, because they bring the audience in on it. And whether you, whether I don't care about exposure because of that, I don't care about the secrets, I don't care about any of that because magic needs to transcend and be the art form that it should be, uh, uh, you know, just like music and acting and all of that, which I don't think it's quite there because of us. I think it's because of magicians. I I 100% think so. And I think guys at Penn and Teller should be revered, you know, way past when they die for hundreds of years because they've transcended that. Um, and, and if more guys transcended that, we would have what you were talking about in the beginning that I was trying to say throughout this whole thing, which is, is why is magic, you know, not viewed, uh, the the same way whenever the the, way music and all these other art forms are. And I think it's because of us. And so if there were more guys, that's, it's a hard thing to do. Um, you know, because there are a lot of people who just can't even wrap their mind about, about what we're talking about. Um, But I mean, if you can transcend that, that's where I think we'll really
0: elevate it, you know? I think a fun thing as well, like when people are obsessed with the secrets and like protecting them, but I always find that when you're performing, someone goes, oh, can I show you a trick? And they might show you some basic trick out there. And if they use a method that I'm fairly familiar with, I always show you a trick back to them using the same method and fool them with it because it's all about the presentation and the little touches that take- That's awesome- like The key card or something a lot of uh, amateur magicians will know, but there's some key card routines out there that will fry the top magicians in the world, and it's not about the method, it's those little touches that I think make the biggest difference for yeah. people when they're coming. That's great, yeah. I 100% think so, too. Yeah, well, I really admire the way
1: that you guys are, are, are doing what you're doing, and uh. Uh, you know, and the, the fact that you're delving into a lot of that and on a deeper level with a lot of, you know, professional touring guys and, 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 and guys who, uh, you know, their whole goal is to make magic look good. And, uh, um, you know, part of my goal, I definitely can say is I don't just it's not like I just want to look like a magic rock star or whatever. I, I want magic to look like a rock star. I really want people to walk away and have this perception of magic. Um, you know, because at the end of the day, I do think the art form is something that will, that has always been, it will always be. And we're just, you know, ch- chopping through our little part of history and, you know, using it to impact other people. And in that time frame, our time frame, we have our own ability to make it look as good as we can make it look. And we, I think it's a big responsibility. Yeah. Um, and you have to care enough um so
0: yeah I, I, I applaud you you boys <laughs> um, we're just coming up we just come up uh, near the end here now so i'm going to bring up this little banner here which is the good the bad and the ugly which is a little segment we like doing at the end we ask cool. our guests tell us a story about sometime you were doing a performance where it started off good ended up going bad and basically ended up being a complete disaster some of, <laughs> of the horror stories that have exi- existed throughout your career I have a lot of horror stories because I I, I,
1: I, I guess I've been pretty ballsy because I've been performing since I was a little kid and I've never really had a lot of fear in front of an audience. I've always felt more comfortable. I'm one of those guys who feels more comfortable in front of an audience than not. So I, I took a lot of risks. I would say what comes to mind when you ask that is the biggest risk I ever took was probably on America's Got Talent with Spidey and Joseph Rao and we do this bit called Phobias and it was... Um, I, I, I'll tell you a little snippet of it and you can see the whole routine on, uh, YouTube. Um, it's, uh, we, 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 you can see the whole routine on masters of illusion and the clips on YouTube. It's called phobias, but the whole thing was Joseph realm's supposed to have a live tarantula in his mouth. Um, and he's supposed to have this live tarantula in his mouth, sitting on his tongue, um, with his mouth closed like this. And you're not supposed to know that that tarantula is there. And it's basically in his mouth, the whole routine. Now, the routine is supposed to be five minutes long. So we had to work with an animal wrangler. And this guy, like, worked on the movie Hocus Pocus, where the moth comes out of the mummy's mouth and all this. And so this guy knew what he was doing. He's helping, our, you know, us with the tarantula bit. Now, in America's Got Talent, when we do it, um, you know, that that show is not – that's one of the reality shows that really – everything is not planned. Everything is fake to an extent except for when you're on stage and performing that part is real when you're actually doing your performance that's legit everything else you know is fluff in reality tv uh but what that was supposed to be a five minute bit and uh it ended up being uh, like 20 minutes and joseph sitting there with the spider's mouth 20 minutes because we scared in the first part of that act i'm supposed to i tell mel b to put her hand in a bag and i say what's your you know, I ask her what she's afraid of. And I say, what does it feel like is in the bag? And she says, it feels like a piece of rope is in the bag. And I make her think it's just a piece of rope. And then I say, that's why so many people have this fear of the unknown, because all you can really do is take a guess, but you never really know. And I pull it out and the piece of rope is actually a, uh, a spy or uh, uh, a snake. And uh, and so that scared her so much that she ran out of the building. And when it come back in, <laughs> she was so scared. And it was great because AGT wanted us to make this make this routine we they wanted us to scare the judges and to be able to use this scared footage and they yeah. used it for everything and they used it to promote the show like crazy, um. So yeah, so at the uh, uh, that was one of the craziest things that ever happened because Joseph nobody knows this nobody knew this but the whole time Joseph's sitting there with this spider in his mouth because <laughs> he's not supposed to be talking because we say he has a fear of public speaking. And then at the end, we say he doesn't really have that fear. You guys should go with the clip. The actual, the really good clip of that is on Masters of Illusion, but it's on YouTube. If you type in uh, Joel Myers phobias or something like that, you'll find it on YouTube, Joel Myers phobias. Um, but yeah, he was sitting there and I'm looking at him and he looked, he looked so horrified <laughs> <laughs> because he just has to wait with this spider in his mouth. That was one of the most unplanned. And I've had tons of unplanned, scary, bad, ugly moments and and there was some good in there too the good was the fact that afterwards the spider was alive joseph was alive
0: <laughs> but yeah <laughs> yeah right. timing and things like that are not something you want to go over it's no. like five minutes because people it's, it's, thought he was being very straight-faced while mel b is screaming and running out of the building and he's just yeah. very and simon you know,
1: and howie and all those guys they all got a kick out of it and, and heidi was laughing her head off and everything but mel b mel b was very scared uh, which is what we were told they, they were like they wanted us to try
0: and create this moment. So, uh, so yeah, so, so yeah, it was, it was good. That's yeah. great. Yep. So we'd to thank you so much for being on the, the show and uh, we hope you, you enjoyed your time. And if you have anything you'd like to promote or if people definitely should follow you on social media, I'll put all them in the link down below after this so that in the description that all of the social media and YouTube will be there. For, for, and this will be on Spotify and iTunes tomorrow and we're also back tomorrow as well with another one we're doing two podcasts this weekend because we're taking next weekend off for Halloween so this is the uh, Halloween special tomorrow is going to be with Bizarro so make sure oh, people cool. tell Bizarro I said hi, we haven't yeah,
1: seen Bizarro each other since Wizard tomorrow. Wars we'll do
0: we'll be sure you- cool, thanks Perfect. guys I've had a great time thanks. with you guys, you guys be and well, well. To tomorrow